Turn with us to the book of Daniel, if you would, Daniel chapter number 3. And um, I know tomorrow is uh, the, uh, I know tomorrow's the big football game. And then I reckon sometime the end of the year, or the end of the month, should I say, or February, I don't know when the other big football game is, when the world goes crazy, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, but I do want to say this. That uh, we that are saved, we ought to be excited about the things of God. Amen. I'm not against. I'm not against somebody if they want to watch a football game and uh, anything like that. But uh, I will say this: uh, in this church, uh, I just want to be clear about something. And there's not anybody guilty, and I'm not saying anybody is. I just want to be clear for 2018. Uh, If these functions or fellowships. They ought to be done by this church and under the umbrella of this church. Can I get an amen right there? And what I mean by that, I don't have any problem with a couple families getting together and fellowshipping, but I am 100% against, and so are these deacons, uh, several families getting together uh, without it being uh, the church uh, uh, sanctioning that. Amen. And if that's too tight for you, I'm just telling you in 2018, uh, we're just going to tighten it up more. Because I was praying this afternoon, I wasn't going to say nothing, but I was praying this afternoon, God said, no, I want you to say something about that. And uh, so if that crashes somebody's party tomorrow night, I'm sorry, I don't know if there is one, but if there is one, listen, if my pastor said, I don't think that's good for the church, you wouldn't have to worry about me going to it, amen? That's just how I feel about it, and uh, we've had a, we had a good three-week revival, and God's doing a lot of great things in this church. And I'm just saying that to all you young couples, amen. Nothing wrong, Brother Lab, with you fellowshipping with Brother Chris there, but I don't think we ought to get three and four families together at a time. A lot of stuff gets, and I ain't saying about them too, but a lot of stuff can get started sometimes that don't need to be started. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. Well, I got half of you. And the other half of you just have to get over it, amen, uh, because I'm not going to apologize about it. Because uh, I was on my knees when God spoke to me, and I said, "Well, I'll just say something about it, Lord." But uh, I tell you, the most important thing to me—I don't want to dictate nobody's life. And you can do whatever you want to do. You can go out of these doors and say, "Well, bless God, that's my home." I do, and you can do whatever you want to do. But if my pastor asked me not to do something, I, you wouldn't have—he wouldn't ask me twice. I can tell you that much, uh, because I just believe that if the man of God prays about something and he sees something that could be detrimental to the church then I would not do that. Amen. And I just tell you, let's keep fellowship how fellowship needs to be. Amen. Now, I hadn't heard nothing. Nobody hadn't told me nothing. I hadn't talked to nobody except one person. I talked to God this afternoon in the motel room, and I said, Lord, would you please uh, just give me some wisdom? And I was praying about sermon. God said, here's what I want you to say right before you preach. So I just said, boy, I feel like a thousand pounds been lifted off me. But in this year, pastoring, if we maintain what we have, preachers are going to have to have a backbone this day and time. Amen. It's just where we're at. Daniel chapter number 3. If you'll stand with us in reverence to the Word of God. Daniel chapter number 3. I tell you, God gave me this message a week ago in my devotional, and I want to preach it tonight. And I pray that God will use it, not just to help us, but I ask the Lord if He would take this sermon and use it tonight to help every young person in this building. I pray that God will put something in your heart that will change you and challenge you for not just tonight, but even for days and years to come. Verse number 8 of Daniel chapter number 3. 
The Bible says, Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, uh, that he should be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true? O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Father, I pray tonight in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would touch this message. God, I ask you tonight to give us liberty. I pray, God, that you'd bind the devil. I know, Lord, that he'd love to hinder the working of thy spirit tonight. But, oh, God, give us liberty. Lord, I pray you would touch us, fill us afresh and new tonight with thy spirit. Oh, God, help me not to say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit in any way. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in this message. Lord, I pray that your son would be magnified and the church would be edified. And, Father, for what you do, we'll love you, we'll praise you, and we'll thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach tonight on this subject. I want to preach on the subject tonight on a youth group that stood against compromise. A youth group that stood against compromise. When you come to Daniel chapter number 3, this chapter highlights in three different categories. First of all, in verses 1 through 8, there's the king's command. As Nebuchadnezzar builds an image 23 years after Daniel reveals the interpretation of that image there, Daniel, of course, talking about that image and Nebuchadnezzar being the golden head of that image, but Nebuchadnezzar was not satisfied at being the head. He wanted to be the whole body. So what he does is he uh, has this project in verse number one and uh, the king's command is that he is going to build this golden image and everyone is going to fall down and to worship him. And so there is the king's command. Then the text that we have read tonight, verses eight down through verse number 18, there is the Hebrew stand. And so there's the king's command, but there's this Hebrew stand. Everybody bows down and worships this golden image except for these young boys. 
voice. Now, that's interesting, and we'll say something about that here in just a few moments. And then it closes with the Lord's uh, uh, very own man. Uh, there's the king's command. There's the Hebrew stand. But there is the Lord's own man. When you come to the close of this text here, uh, it's not just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that's walking in that fiery furnace. Uh, uh, but there is a fourth man uh, uh, that is in that fiery furnace. Uh, I think about Brother Robert. I mentioned him this morning uh, uh, when so many times he would say before he made the crossing, uh, uh, do you know the fourth man? Amen. Uh, and I'm glad I know who that fourth man is. Uh, it is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, but when you think about the king's command and the project in verse number one, uh, as the Bible says that he made a golden image uh, that was three cubits uh, and the breadth uh, was thereof six cubits. So uh, this image is 90 foot tall and it's nine feet wide. Now, when you think about that, that's a very tall image, amen? And he made this golden image uh, and he brings all the politicians together in verses two and three, uh, all the princes and the captains uh, and the governors and the judges and the treasurers and the counselors uh, and the sheriffs and the rulers of the provinces uh, and they come together uh, to worship this golden image uh, that Nebuchadnezzar has made. Now, he, he puts this image together. He brings all these politicians together uh, and he makes a proclamation. And this proclamation is simply this, uh, that when you hear the band begin to play, uh, you're to get that to fall down and you're to worship the image that Nebuchadnezzar has made. Now think about this tonight. You say, preacher, where did contemporary worship start? I don't know exactly when it began, but I can tell you a good place it started was in Daniel chapter number three. Amen. When not the king of glory, but when the king of this world made another image, uh, put a band together and said at the time that you hear this music, uh, uh, you're to just bow down and to worship me. And so we think about this proclamation. With it came a penalty in verse number six uh, that whosoever would not fall down and worship that very same hour they would be cast into a burning fiery furnace now think about this tonight in other words if you were standing there and you was not willing to bow down and to worship they had a nice fiery furnace uh, that they was willing to cast anybody in that would not worship at the very moment uh, that they wanted you uh, to worship now think about this tonight worship my friend cannot be commanded but worship my friend it's something that's voluntary. It's something that comes from our own will that we worship God. Amen. Now, I believe tonight everybody ought to worship biblically the same way. Isn't that right? But everybody doesn't act the same. Our personalities are different and I have heard preachers get all over that and I'm not being controversial when I make this statement but I do believe personality does play some role. I think you have to get past the flesh but I remember Brother Jack Middleton that sat right over here and Jack, Brother Jack Middleton never said a whole lot. It didn't matter if you'd put him in a baseball game or if he was in church. He was just a quiet person. That was his personality but he would sit over there and weep uh, he would raise his hand and every now and then he'd get up and testify and he'd just say I want to thank God for saving my soul and brother that was as real as, as anybody else's worship uh, and it was good and God blessed it and that's who he was can I get a witness right there I, I get nervous if I was in a church and everybody acted the same wouldn't you I mean I'd start wondering if everybody was real 
I think everybody should say amen. I think everybody can raise their hand in the sanctuary. I think we can all praise God in a testimony. I mean, there's different forms of worship, amen. But everybody don't act like Sister Cape. In fact, I don't know anybody that acts like Sister Cape. And if somebody tried to shout the way she shouted, you would just feel foolish. Isn't that right? You know why? Because that's not who you are. Worship cannot be commanded. Worship is voluntary. But if you'll open your heart and if you'll let God work in your life, I promise you in your own way, in the person that God made you, you will worship and magnify the Lord. Amen. But I see in this text that what Nebuchadnezzar wanted was the same thing that the Antichrist wants. Was he wanted a one world government and he wanted a one world religious system where everybody worshipped him. He wanted to be king and he wanted to be the image that everybody worshipped. He took the truth that Daniel had told him in chapter 2 and he turned it into a lie for his own profit and his own gain because Nebuchadnezzar wanted to be the God of this world and that's the same thing the Antichrist will want when he comes into this world and no doubt he's probably living right now but when you think about this tonight in verse number 8 we come to these young men that in spite of the king's command, in spite of what the politicians were doing, in spite of the political pressure of that day, you see these boys had been in a pre-captivity revival. They had been brought up and they had been under the reign of Josiah, that young boy king. They had heard the preaching of Jeremiah and some things had got in their heart. They knew what old time religion was and they knew what contemporary was. They knew what real was and what fake was and they said oh king you can sign all the decrees you can make all the announcements you can bring the league together and they can do what they will and say what they want but we're not going to bow and we're not going to bend and we're not going to burn amen and thank God for some young people thank God for a youth group that said we'll stand in the very face of compromise and we will do what's right in the eye of God. Amen. Now, young people, I want you to know tonight it's a very high possibility and no, no doubt a probability that their parents was not around for them to see what they were doing and what they were not doing. But these young people was doing what was right when their parents wasn't around. They was doing what was right when the preacher wasn't around. They was doing what was right in Babylon. In other words, you can live right even when others around you are living wrong. You can do what's right in spite of others. And that's true for all of us, isn't that right? You know, we ought to live for God every day of our life. On the job, we ought to be as real of a Christian at work as what we are in church. Our personalities and our things should not change whenever we go to work and punch in the clock. If anything, we ought to be more on guard when we're at work around lost people. We ought to have our, we ought to have our guard up more and be more conscious of our thoughts, our vocabulary, and the things that we say and the actions that we uh, say because lost people are watching us uh, and they're looking at our lives. You know, that's one of the problems with social media uh, that has just about destroyed this generation is that people will get on social media and they will say, just about anything and never think about the consequences. While I'm on that subject, can I say this? Don't put anything on social media that's controversy, period. Somebody say amen. 
Brother, I'm telling you, social media is not the place to discuss things. It's one thing if me and Brother Laddie sits at a table and I discuss something that I believe and how I feel uh, at, a, at the table with him, but it's another thing when you just stick something out there for the entire world to see in an open forum for everybody to discuss. Uh, it hurts the cause of Christ. Uh, it hurts your testimony. It, listen, if you can't put something about your family or something that would glorify God, then you don't even need to be on there. Amen. I'll go as far as to say this. I don't think you ought to even put political statements on social media. Now, boy, I hit a snag right there. So let me just back up and run slap over it one more time. Now, listen, no member from this church or any other church for that matter has got any right putting things on there about about the, the about the government and about things. Uh, now, if you do that, that's your business. But I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to start a war. You're going to start a storm. And you're not going to help being a member of this church. You're going to hurt being a member of this church. Can I get a witness right there? I mean, I believe in taking a stand, but hiding behind a computer and a keyboard is not taking a stand. Amen? The, the things that you may put on there may be right, and they may be true, but here's the thing. Why would you want to put yourself out there in such an open forum and, listen, cause an argument? The Bible says we're to avoid such things as that. We are to take a stand, and these boys was willing to take a stand, but Daniel lived in Babylon for 60 years and never compromised his convictions. These Hebrew boys lived in Babylon and never compromised their convictions. But can I say something tonight? There is a difference in having to stand in the face of controversy and seeking it out and causing it. You see tonight, I believe the King James Bible is the Word of God. I believe that with all of my heart and it's not even debatable. But it would be foolish for me to get on a computer tonight and make that statement. Now, if you ask me, I don't care if the president was sitting here tonight and he asked me. I'm not going to back down to it. Boy, it's quiet in here, isn't it? We might have revival if we just everybody unplugged social media. Listen to me. There's stuff on, on social media a lot of times that has no business being on there. And yes, it is true, but it's not the place for it. Can I get an amen right there? You see, tonight, a lot of times people hurt the cause rather than help the cause. What you and I, if something happens on the news, don't run and just comment on that. Listen, be able to control yourself. Be able to, to take the right stand when it's time to take the stand. Amen? And that's not the place. Uh, all that does is cause strife and argument. Just stand for what's right. Well, I can see I'm not winning that battle, and so I might as well just keep on preaching it until it gets a little bit looser in here. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. Understand me tonight. Uh, but I believe our testimony is very important. Amen? And I believe as a pastor, and as a member, you and I ought to be very careful at what we say, how we say it, and when we say it. Amen? And listen, young people, you don't even need social media. You don't even need a Facebook. You don't even need a Twitter account. You don't even need a, you don't even need an iPhone or a cell phone. You don't even need a Radio Shack phone. Somebody say amen right there. I'm talking about taking a stand in the face of compromise, but doing it with the right spirit. What I noticed about these boys in this text, is that they were not Pharisees. I'm going to get myself in a lot of trouble, but I'm just going to keep plowing. They didn't run to Babylon 
and start telling everybody what they believed and how they believed it. They didn't go to Babylon and rebuke everybody else that wasn't doing right. Now, that's not what these boys did. If my other boys wanted to eat that king's meat, Daniel didn't jump on them about it. He let them do what they was going to do. If my other boys, they, they wanted to try. If my other boys, if they, want, if they wanted to bow down and worship and get involved in all that, they, they let them, but they said, we're not doing it. You see, young people, here's what I'm saying tonight is, being, uh, there's a difference in being a Christian and being a Pharisee. I believe in convictions. I believe in standards. I believe you ought to have as many of them as you can have. And don't ever criticize somebody that has a higher standard than what you have. Pray about it and see if God wants you to have that standard. But at the same time, if there's anything as bad as liberalism, it's Phariseeism. And Phariseeism can be on both sides. I've seen people that didn't have an ounce of standards, but they were Pharisees to the other side. And then there are people that, listen, they, they have all these convictions and standards. And the sad thing is, is that it's wonderful that they have separated themselves from the world, but they've not poured anything else, else into themselves. Or if they have, they feel like that they're on a different pedestal because they are doing not doing some things and doing other things. Hey, can I tell you something about standards tonight? All standards is, is it is guidelines in our life to keep us in the path that we need to be in to honor God, amen? And they are elementary things. They're not, listen, deep theological things. They're not things that puts us on a different plateau, but God does honor, clean, and holy living. Can I get a witness right there? But when I'm doing those things for him and not for others, amen, it really doesn't matter to me if somebody agrees with it and I don't have to wear it like a badge. Thank God I can just live in it and I can just enjoy it and just go on and serve the Lord. Say, so, preacher, why are you making a big deal out of that? And I'll tell you why. I want every one of you young people to have convictions. But at the same time, I don't want the convictions to have you. Have the list. Everybody ought to have a list. But in the having the list, you need to have a life. And that means that your ultimate goal, your ultimate burden ought to be to serve. You ought to have a relationship with God. See, it's very easy to give things up when you love somebody. You know, tonight, I got in a bad habit of carrying no cash with me. Anybody ever have that problem? I don't ever carry no money. I told my wife the other day, I said, I probably owe you $1,000, one dollar at a time. Because <laughs> she'll carry a little bit of cash, and I never do. But you know what, if I, if I get cash and I put it in my pocket, I don't ever want to turn loose of it. I still got that $2 bill you gave me. That's right. 20 years ago almost. But I'll walk around and I have that money in my pocket, Brother David, and I'll go in a store and I'll, and I'll go in there to buy something. Have you ever done this? I'll go in there to buy something. And I'll go in there and I'll see what it is and I'll get it and I'll think, okay, and, I, and it's something I really need. The other day I went in there for three things that I needed. And I stood there till I talked myself out of all three of them. Two of them, I said, no, I just, I just don't really need this right now. I could get by probably four more days without it. And the other one, I thought, you know what, I really don't need that. I mean, I may find it cheaper somewhere else, you know. And I, I mean, I walked out. I drove across town to go get them. And I went back home and Noelia said, you get them? I said, no, nah, I didn't get them. She's like, what are, you, what, are you think, what are you talking about? You know why that is? I didn't want to turn loose of that money. Now, don't look at me so sanctified. Y'all are, y'all are, they some tightwads here too, amen? Do you know what? If one of my girls came up to me today and said, Daddy, I, I need $100, I'm probably not even going to question it. 
I'm going to give it to them. I might ask them why. <laughs> it's always good to know, ain't it? <laughs> but the bottom line is, Brother Caleb, I'm going to give it to them. You know why? Because I love them. And if they pay me back, fine. My kids have never borrowed a dime from me. They never have. They never asked me for a dime from the time they got married. But if they asked me for $100 and if they did not pay me back, it would not matter. I'm glad Noel's not in here tonight. Amen. <laughs> I'm glad Celeste is not even here. Thank God for that. Do you know what? It wouldn't matter. But if somebody borrowed $100 from me, now I would expect that other person to pay me back. Aren't you that same way? You know why that is? Because you love them. And when you love somebody, it's not hard to give something up. Standards is not hard when you love him. And standards is not a big deal when you love him. I'm not better than nobody else because I have convictions or standards. In fact, I don't have enough of them tonight. I need more in my life. I've never reached a place where I felt like I've got enough. Some people may do some things that I don't do. That's between them and God. Amen. And I'm sure there may be things I do that they don't do. That's between me and God. I know it's awfully quiet tonight while I'm preaching, but I'm talking about I just want to balance the scale because I've seen it in 20 years of pastoring this church almost. I've seen it go both sides. I've seen us lose young people to the world, and I've seen other young people. We've lost them because of Phariseeism and pride, and both of them are detrimental. You've got to have a balance. You say, how do I balance that? It's a relationship of God that makes it so real there are things you're not going to shake us on tonight you know why because it was settled a long time ago and young people hear me and hear me well if you'll get on an altar and if you'll settle it in your heart you'll never debate it one day when the issue comes up if your mom and dad taught you that way then go that way amen if they put a conviction they put a standard in your life then stand on it and stand by it because God put them there for a reason in your life but keep the balance, keep the compassion keep the tenderness, keep the heart, amen, don't forget where you've came from and if somebody hasn't come as long as far along the way as you have, remember where you used to be and those that was patient with you and prayed for you and helped you along the journey, amen you remember when you got saved and how you were and you remember the things in your life don't you thank God for people that was further along in the Christian journey than you were? They were patient with you. Don't you appreciate people that maybe when you hadn't grew to the point that they had grown to, that they weren't critical of you, that they just kept nurturing you until you got to that place where you needed to get to? Do you know there was a there was an individual riding with me to a meeting one day. And uh, we were riding to this meeting and he said to me, we were riding to Jackson uh, somewhere. I can't even remember where it was going. He said to me, he said, God, God dealt with me about something and he named what it was, but he didn't go 100% with it. He just went 85%. And then we went to a meeting that night and the preacher preached on the very thing that he had told me about. And the preacher said, you won't go all the way, but you... And you know what he did? He surrendered that night. And that's the very thing he said the preacher preached on. And he said, well, I reckon I got my answer. Don't you thank God for the Holy Ghost that will tell preachers what to preach and when to preach them? That preacher don't know nothing. Do you know what that is? That's God being patient with us. 
And tonight, that's true enough. These boys took a stand when nobody else would take a stand. And they took it with the right spirit. And in this stand that they made, they tell the king here, and I want you to notice the three things that they say to this king right here in this, in this text tonight. As they were standing before this king, he puts the pressure on them. You think about the pressure that they had on them as, as it was great political pressure. I mean, the whole kingdom had bowed down except for these young men. No doubt Daniel was somewhere else at that time and was not present or he would have stood with them. But even when the leader of their youth group was not there these young men still did what was right and I see the commitment to their stand in verse number 16 took courage as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king old Nebuchadnezzar we are not careful to answer thee in this manner what courage to say Nebuchadnezzar we don't even have to hesitate to tell you what we believe and why we believe young people hear me tonight you got to nail it down early what you believe. You got to nail it down while you're a teenager. And you don't need to wait till you're 19. You need to nail down what you believe. If you don't know what you believe, you need to talk to your parents. You need to talk to your pastor. You need to get a biblical answer. You need chapter and verse as to why the Bible says this. And you need to know where it's at. And you need to go to it. And you need to read it. And you need to pray over it. And thank God it's good that the church believes it. It's good that your parents believe it. But it's not enough. you got to get it in your heart. And it's got to be settled. And you got to say, by the grace of God, I believe this so much that if everybody else in this youth group, that even if my parents themselves, whom I love, was to change, it is settled in my soul and this is what I believe, and I'm not going to change by the grace of God. you got to do that now. You can't wait till you're 20 and 25 and 30, and if you got saved later or didn't hear that kind of preaching, then you need to do that right now. But I'm telling you, these young people, you need to settle some things in your life right now so that when the temptation comes or the debate or the issue comes up, you can stand out there and say, you know what, y'all can talk about it, y'all can debate it, but I settled that a long time ago. Just me and God. You need to know what you believe about music. You need to know the Bible says speak to yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What that means is rock music is sin. Somebody say amen. Country music is sin. Rapping is sin. You say, why is it sin? Just listen to it. That alone will tell you it's sin. But number two, God, the Bible says, if it doesn't glorify Him, then we're not to sing it. Amen? I'm telling you, if, it, if a song, it wouldn't matter if it's even under a gospel thing. If it glorifies man and it doesn't glorify God, then it serves no purpose. For music was created to set the mood for worship, to honor and to glorify His precious name. Amen. That's why it's so important. I don't care if you're singing, she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. Amen. You say, is there anything sinful in that? Well, not if she don't fall off. Amen. <laughs> but you know what? You don't need to sing that song. I mean, all the time. You don't need to go around singing that. You know why? He don't glorify God. Is it a sin to sing? She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes? No. But do you really want to be thinking about her coming around the mountain? It don't set the mood for nothing. Amen. I'm telling you, singing was designed in this Bible. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And the Bible gave us a song to sing, to set the tone. I'll tell you, if you'll go down the road and you'll sing Amazing Grace, if you'll sing What a Fellowship, What a Joy Divine, the purpose of that is it causes us to worship. It causes us to honor God. It causes us to think on Him. 
You got to settle that in your heart about music. You got to settle in your heart about dating. And I can tell you what that is, just don't ever do it. Amen. Hardest sermon I've ever preached tonight. And I don't mean hard, I mean hard to preach to you. You know what? The Bible teaches court, court. Ain't nothing wrong with a boy liking a girl and a girl liking a boy. That's the way it's supposed to be. And parents, you have to be careful. You need to lay tight. You need to have a, you need, I don't think young people ought to be in a serious relationship at 13. Somebody say amen. Amen. I'm not going to tell you how mine turned out, but <laughs> hey, but you know what? When you think about it, these young people, they give their hearts away at 12 and 13, 14, 15, but there's nothing wrong with them liking each other. They just don't need to commit. They just don't need to commit till that day comes, but there's nothing wrong with them liking each other, but that ought to be the, I remember when I, when I started, uh, I got about 17 years old, and I asked my father-in-law one time, I said, would it be okay if uh, me and Nolito went somewhere? And he said, sure, front porch, them two chairs, with the window up and the blind pulled all the way to the top. That's as far as we went. And you know what? Got no regrets about that. Zero. Didn't get mad when he told me that neither. Amen. But he gave us a little time to sit and talk alone where we could talk. But he could come by and listen at any moment. Amen. Y'all still out there tonight? I'm just preaching some things that might salvage a home maybe. Something might keep people out of trouble. You say, that's not the way we did it. That's okay. But I'm trying to help this younger generation. They've got access to things that other people never thought about. Most of them know more about things that we didn't know about until we got married. They know about it by the time they're 10, 11, and 12, and that's such a sad commentary. Even as much as we shield them, there's so much filth in this world today. Just going to Walmart, they see and they hear things that they should have never seen nor heard. And young people, you ought to saturate your mind in the Word of God. You ought to memorize Scripture so you can keep yourself pure and keep yourself clean. But you ought to have some convictions about dating. You ought to have some convictions about music. You ought to have have some convictions about dress uh, and that means you ought to keep your clothes on. Somebody say it, man. And boys ought to look like boys and girls ought to look like girls uh, and you ought to dress right and you ought to dress modest and you ought to dress decent and listen, don't matter what nobody says uh, and if some liberal comes along and wants to make fun of you, let them make fun of you. Amen. I promise you the end result is a whole lot better at keeping a right standard of dress in your life uh, as to pulling your clothes off and letting anything go. Listen, you'll not attract the right kind of in life uh, if you don't keep some high standards uh, of what you look like uh, as a young man and a young lady. I don't think a, a boy ought to wear a necklace or a bracelet. That's not because I'm saved. That's just because I believe you ought to be a man. Amen. I'm telling you, you wouldn't put a bracelet on me at 15 years of age, amen. Hey, you might, listen, I might have died fighting you, but I'd have tried the best I could. Are y'all still with me tonight? I'm telling you, hey, we're living in a generation of young people uh, that they don't know the difference of those things anymore. They've been taught that they can use any bathroom they want to use. Uh, they've been taught, listen, they can dress any way they want to. Uh, now women cut their hairs, uh, uh, listen, completely off, uh, and men grow them completely down their back. Uh, and listen, I'm just simply saying to and I, there has got to be some guidelines, amen. 
It's a shame. Well, sitting in a restaurant, I'm not making fun. This is a shame. Well, sitting in a restaurant not too long ago, Brother Doyle, and honestly, I tried. I could not tell if my server was a man or a woman. I did not know what to say. And I'm not making fun of that. That person was lost and they need the gospel. But I was searching for words. And that's the world that they're growing up in tonight. And I want to tell you something. There is a difference between a boy and a girl. And in order to be able to look at you from both the sides of your head and tell if you're a boy or a girl. And a girl ought to walk like a girl and a boy ought to walk like a boy. Am I telling the truth tonight? I'm telling you, listen, if I had a little boy pushed around, I'm going to tell you what I'd do. If I had to kick him in and see the britches, amen, tell him walk like a boy, I'd do something. I mean, God help, amen, y'all. I'm just telling you how it is. You young people, okay, this ain't making y'all mad. Is that right? Okay, at least y'all still with me tonight. I'm just simply saying this, these little boys, hey, listen, you mothers, you got to to love them, you got to nurture them, but you got to let them be a boy, and you got to be careful, amen. Listen, you got to buy them the right kind of toys, you got to give them the right kind of training, amen. You got to let them learn to be a young man and a young lady, hallelujah. Lord, nowadays, women drive dump trucks, climb power poles. Am I telling the truth? And men work in beauty parlors and are home interior decorators. Isn't that a crying shame? Maybe I grew up in a different day. I don't know. But I'm telling you, listen, when I grew up, boy, men, boys and men went to barber shops. Ladies and girls went to beauty shops. Amen. Men drove uh, uh, trucks and they worked outside. And ladies made biscuits and they knew how to sew and they knew how to change diapers. Amen. I mean, that's just the way it was. And what in the world such a better place? I'm not fussing if you're a lady here tonight and you work a job. I'm just simply saying this. Get the right kind of job. Amen. There just is a difference. But we're living in a society that wants to blur the lines and young people you're going to have to learn how to take a stand against that and it was this kind of preaching that I grew up on it didn't hurt me and it's not going to hurt any of you tonight that's right it won't hurt you a bit men believe every bit of it amen carry a pocket knife amen and a billfold hallelujah not a European handbag amen God help I'm telling you, listen, I mean, every boy ought to have a pocket knife. Y'all with me tonight? I'm just talking about being a boy, being a man. Nowadays, girls do need a pocket knife, don't they? We're living in a warped society. And you don't have to take a stand for what's right. You don't have to stand for that book and stand for what you believe. And you're not going to, listen, you can't wait. Till you decide to marry somebody. Don't drop your convictions for some boy or some girl. Amen. Listen, you'll pray for God to give you the right person. These boys knew what they believed. I'm just mentioning things tonight that I feel like should be mentioned from time to time. I think that, listen, as, as these boys took a stand, they were standing in Babylon. It took courage. It takes courage when, when young people make fun of you. It takes courage when you hear even other adults say things that may make fun of old-time religion, but don't listen to that. Listen to this book tonight. And it took confidence. Notice what they said in verse number 17. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. He said in the latter part, He will deliver us out of thine hand. Hey, listen to me tonight. God will deliver us. Amen. 
If you'll stand for what's right and if I'll stand for what's right, God always brings deliverance. And it does, it's not just for the young people tonight, but a lot of times even as adults, it is sad, but even adults today are dropping their convictions and dropping their beliefs. Maybe it was Brother Brown or somebody else that was preaching just the other day about it's amazing at how many people are changing in these last days. Sad, isn't it, tonight? That people that we love and people that once believed what we believe. There was a time when you could preach like this and everybody in the house said amen. Some of the things that I've said tonight that would make the average church member upset in most churches. 30 years ago, lost people believed those things. Is that not sad today? It's changing all around us tonight. And even in the realm of preachers, there's a fear in my heart tonight. Friends, men in the ministry, they've got tired of fighting the battles, what it is. They get weary. They get tired of church members leaving. They get tired of church members getting mad. They get tired of the offerings going down. They get tired of the numbers going down. They just get tired of the fight. And if I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times. As they begin to think, they say, you know what? It's just the day we're living in. I can't do anything about it. I remember sitting across the table from a man that I preached for this past year. And he wept. And his wife wept. He said, I'm so tired. I'm talking about a man that's 35, 36 years old. He said, I'm tired. He He said, I don't even care if I pastor anymore. And he was still the pastor of this church. He'd been through so much in 2017, Brother Casey. He told me, he was just honest. He said, I, he said, I don't want to give him, but he said, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, I'm tired of fighting with him. And I'm tired of the church down the road taking him. I said, brother, I said, just, just hold steady. I said, if they all leave, I said, you'd be better off to walk away knowing that you did what was right. Keep your integrity. And I said, you keep your respect and you stand for that book. And I said, if they all leave, I said, God will take care of you. And I believe that tonight. I believe there's more pressure on preachers tonight to give in than there ever has been. And I don't think it's coming just necessarily from the pews. I think the very hounds of hell knows that if a man of God will fold, the church is gone in a matter of days. Brother, what we need to do in 2018, Brother George, we need to tighten those. We need to tighten the ranks. We need to tighten up what we believe. We need to inspect our life. I'm talking about from the pulpit to the pew. How many of y'all want to have revival tonight? Let's stand in the face of compromise. We don't have to be. We don't, as I've said, we don't have to be a Pharisee. We don't have to have an attitude. But let's stand. Let's stand. If this is the year the trumpet blows. Don't you want to go out of here standing for what was right? I'm telling you, hey, young people, if every gray-haired saint passes and is gone as you get older, if Jesus hadn't come and they're all gone, don't you want to hold the same row that they've hoed? Don't you want to stand where they've stood? Don't you want to stay with that old time? It takes courage, it takes confidence, and then it takes commitment. Notice this last verse, and I'm done. He said, in that verse of Scripture... He says in verse 18, But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, 
nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. You know what that youth group said? They looked at the king, the president, when all the politicians had bowed down and when their parents was nowhere to be found, they looked at the king and they said, listen, we believe God will deliver us out of that fiery furnace. But if he doesn't, be it known, we're never going to worship that image. And we're never going to serve that God no matter what you say. And I believe them boys, when the Bible says they tied them up and they bound them and they threw them in that that fiery furnace, I believe them boys looked at each other with a commitment that if he don't deliver us, we'll see you on the other side. But we're going to die believing what we believe. We're going to die what our parents have taught us. And if we die in this fiery furnace, we're going to die and we're going to go down believing what mom and dad and what we, what we learned in that revival, what Jeremiah, the preacher man, preached to us. Hey, listen, tonight, young people, you need to settle it. Tonight needs to be the night. Tonight needs to be the night you get on an altar. Young ladies, tonight needs to be the night you get on an altar and say, I'm going to serve God. If nobody's sitting on that pew with me, I'm going to serve God. To my dying. I'm not going to dip my colors. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to stay true. I'm going to live for God all the days of my life. You'll never be sorry if you do that tonight. Wonders we stand. How about it tonight? It's not just the young people. But I even say tonight, as the pastor of this church, God help me. I don't ever want to compromise. I don't ever want to think I'm better than anybody. God knows that ain't true. I need him more tonight than I've ever needed him. I'm not strong. None of us are strong in ourselves, but I just don't want to compromise. I don't want to give in to this world. God, help us to stay true. Help us to stay right. Help us to be faithful. Help us to let keep this church where it's always been. We don't pride ourselves in that tonight, but we sure we need to stay where we have because we need Him. Lord, help us to never get our eyes on the on the money or get our eyes on the number or get our eyes on an image or anything like that. But just help us keep our eyes on You tonight, Lord. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be faithful.